Welcome to the Owning Your Sexual Self podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Main, awesome wife and dog mom for life. I'm a sex therapist turned sex coach, and I run a successful business selling relationship enhancement products. I absolutely love talking about all things sex. So you can expect this podcast to explore all things related to women's sexual health because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you discover and embrace what brings you pleasure so that you can own your sexual self. If that sounds good to you, then keep listening and let's fucking do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Owning Your Sexual Self. This episode has been a long time coming. <laughs> Literally, I, if you remember, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, back in April 2021, holy cow, okay, a year and a half ago, basically, I recorded episode 60 of the podcast. It's crazy to think even that we've had that many episodes already. So episode 60 was all about the need to know info about your cycle, meaning your menstrual cycle. And in that podcast, I had explained how I had recently got off of birth control. I've been on birth control since the age of 14 when I first told my mom that I was planning to have sex for the first time. She immediately made me an appointment and got me on birth control. So a little bit of a different story. I think so many girls were put on birth control at such young ages for things like bad periods or acne or weight gain and things like that. And um, yeah, I feel like my story was kind of unique. I felt grateful enough that, you know, if you know my story, my parents divorced when I was two. I was raised by my father. So having that conversation with him (laughs) was not going to happen. Did not feel comfortable telling my dad that I was going to be having sex at the age of 14. I was a sophomore in high school and had been with my boyfriend at the time for, you know, a while and just felt like the time was right, I guess. I don't know. My friends, my friends in the older classes were having sex and I was curious and I was wanting to do it. Anyways, all that goes to say that I was visiting with my mom. I got to see my mom every other weekend uh, for the most part here and there. (laughs) Sometimes skipped a weekend, especially at that age. I was too cool, you know, had so many other things going on. Didn't really want to go away and spend the weekend at mom's. I wanted to be home with my friends and all that jazz. But besides the point, I'm rambling here. (laughs) You're getting to know a little bit more about little Rachel, but that's all right. I'm sure you enjoy that. Makes me feel a little bit more of like a real person, if you will. So Anyways, we're driving in the car and I tell my mom, hey, I am planning to have sex. I'm wanting to have sex. And uh, like, what do I do (laughs) from here, right? And so she uh, took me to the the gynecologist. That's when I had my very first gynecological, gynecological exam, my very first pap smear. That fucking sucked. Ugh, those are not comfortable. They are not comfortable whatsoever. Um, But I remember... I don't know if it was after that appointment, but I was like telling my mom like how like awkward it felt. And then she's like, well, what do you think sex is going to feel like? <laughs> I'm like, touche, mother, touche. Uh, but again, penises are not like metal and cold and <laughs> pokey, you know, not that kind of pokey like a speculum is. So anyways, I went through the exam. Everything came back good. Got on birth control, got on the pill at the age of 14 and had been on birth control literally ever since taking a pill every day of my life, essentially for years and years and years and years. I'm not even, I can't even do the math right now, but I got off birth control at the age of 32. 
It was my decision to get off of birth control. I had read the book In the Flow by Elisa Vide. You guys have heard me mention that book many, 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 many times on this podcast. It was honestly a a staple in my personal growth and my growth as a woman taking that responsibility to learn more about my body, to advocate more about my body. And yeah, that book really was the turning point for me for, for so many things. Um, I had planned to stay on birth control really until the age of 35 for the most part. I remember when I was turning 30, I'd shared this podcast uh, or this story writer on a podcast when Danny and I were talking about our choice to get a vasectomy. But I remember, you know, turning 30 and I had my yearly exam with my gynecologist. And I remember telling her, you know, that we that we at that time weren't planning to have kids. We pretty much felt like we were never going to have kids. And I asked, like, can I stay? Like, what do I do? Do I stay on birth control basically for the rest of my life, you know? And and I remember breaking down in tears. That was my first moment of like, oh shit, like, do I actually want kids? Like, why am I making, why is this bringing so many emotions to me? Um, well, you know how that story played out. <laughs> it's not happening. And uh, she basically told me like, no, sweetheart. She was this older woman. She was so sweet. Mary DeLucia was her name. She's retired now. But anyway, she's like, no, oh, sweetheart. Oh, honey. I got like the bless your heart talk. You can stay on birth control. It's it's actually okay for women to be on birth control through the age of 35. So I thought, okay, sweet, right? Like no need to freak out at this point in my life. Like no, no harm, no foul. Like really wasn't I didn't have any problems. Like I was fine taking this pill. I had been taking it for years and years and years. Like it, w- it is what it is. Until I read the In the Flow book. <laughs> and the In the Flow book, my reason behind actually wanting to read this book in the first place was because I was wanting to learn more about my menstrual cycle to be able to biohack my life essentially. And as you heard me talk about on the podcast before, planning my entrepreneurial life according to my cycle. So knowing that when I was in ovulation was going to be a good time to schedule like social gatherings and basically social gatherings, outings, events, recording podcasts, like things like that. Same with my follicular phase. Whereas my luteal phase, it would probably serve me better. Not probably, it does serve me better not to do so many um, social interactions, like allowing myself more time for rest, more time for retreat things like that. Um, Also planning my creativity things, my brainstorming events during my luteal phase as well. So that's why I essentially started to read this book. And then she starts to talk about in this book um, about things like your circadian clock, our infradian rhythm, like all of these things that I had never, never even heard about. So your circadian clock, it tells us when we're getting our deepest sleep, when we're going to be the most alert, when we're going to be the most coordinated, when we will have the fastest reaction time, et cetera, et cetera. This helps regulate our body's temperature and metabolism. And men's testosterone production is also organized around the circadian clock. However, people with female biological parts have this other thing known as the infradian rhythm. And again, this is only for people that are going through a a menstrual cycle, and this is literally linked to our cycle. 
And so did you know that the infradian rhythm creates a 25% change in your brain chemistry over the course of a month? In order to optimize your fluctuating metabolism, you must change what you eat and intensities of your workouts for optimal results. This I'm reading straight from the show notes of this episode 60, the things that you need to know about your cycle, because this I think is a good reminder, especially if you weren't listening to the podcast back in those days. If you are curious about your period, if, you, if this episode sparks curiosity or interest for you, like if, again, if you're a woman that's been on birth control for many, 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 many years, these are, these are things that I think are going to be helpful for you to know. So I went in reading this book again, wanting to biohack my life, wanting to work better and more in tune with my cycle and holy fuck, did it send me for a tailspin. I learned throughout this book and let's see, I started working with Alexa as my business coach in July, was it July of 2020? Yeah, summer of 2020, right after we moved in. Yeah, so July, August-ish of 2020. And it was brought up on one of our very first calls about being on birth control and about the menstrual cycle. And this was like that planted the seed for me. But she had asked me, if I'd ever thought or considered about getting off of birth control. And I was like, fuck no, <laughs> definitely not because I we don't want to have kids. Like this is my only option right now. This is, this is, this is what it is, right? And, you know, really then thinking more into that, again, that really planted the seed. I kind of didn't really think about it much after that until I started reading this book or listening to this book. And then that is when I learned that people that are on birth control, the period that we have when we're on birth control. So when our body goes to the menstruation process on birth control, it's not even a real period. And you will have to listen to the book because it explains it much better than I can on this podcast. But that was basically all I need to know. I continue to listen to this book and continue to hear her explain the, have have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed this? And I thought, oh my gosh. And so here I was now taking a better look at my periods that I was having. And I realized that my bleed time was essentially a day, day and a half, maybe two days. It was a very, very, very short time frame and also very, very light. So when she's listening, when I'm listening to this audiobook and I'm realizing like, okay, so this period that you're having is not actually a period. Then I start to, again, look inward and I'm like, oh, fuck, like this makes so much sense. Then you go on to listen to the book to hear about why periods are so important for the body and why just how miraculous it is that a woman's body can go through this and experience this on a monthly basis. And again, the importance of having that full on period, that five to seven day period. So this was my... That, that was it. This, this was right around the time that I also had another uh, gynecologist visit coming up. And I talked, I, again, my woman retired. So I talked to this new doctor, love her. She is very, I feel like even though she's in Western medicine, really just understood me, like heard me, had a different approach, more of a holistic approach to her practice. And when I mentioned to her about wanting to get off of birth control I went in there, you guys, like (laughs) I went in there so prepared, like I was expecting to get pushback from her um, because I think that I probably would have got pushback from my previous doctor given that um, 
she was a bit, you know, I mean, she's retired, so she was older in age. And I think just a little bit more historic in her views and beliefs around things. Hence her telling me that it was totally fine and safe to be on birth control until the age of 35, right? Uh, No conversation about the side effects of being on birth control for such a long time. So anyways, um, so I go in, I'm all armed up and she's like, yeah, okay. So what do you like, what's the plan here? When are you thinking you want to get off? And I was like, so taken aback by that. And I, then I asked, I'm like, well, do I need to finish out the pill packs that I have? Do, what do I, what do I need to do for my, for my body? Is there things that I can do beforehand after to like make this process smoother? What am I going to expect when I get off of birth control? Am I going to be this crazy person? Am I going to be super fertile? you know, I had all these questions. And so she's like, Nope, just go ahead and um, finish finish this pack, essentially, and then just don't start your next pack. Um, And so that's what I did. I was right in the last week already. So it was just a few days after that, that I took my final birth control pill. And have not looked back since. (laughs) And I had friends, I've, you know, talked about this on the podcast before when I was interviewing uh, my friend Molly on the podcast about menstrual cups, periods came up on there. And, you know, we, we dabbled again in the conversation around uh, periods, getting off of periods and just how you experience, how you experience a life after being on birth control. So, Some of those, before I kind of get into my story, I wanted to, I feel like I kind of left you hanging a bit when I said like the long-term side effects of hormonal birth control, you know, for women. So I really wanted to talk about these with you. And uh, I did pull up an article here from Flow Living. If you go to flowliving.com, I will make sure to link this in the show notes for you. This is the website from the author, Lisa Vide, that wrote that book in the flow. There is an incredible, incredible blog that she has on here. So tons of articles that you can go through and and read and so I just searched uh, menstrual cycle or no I searched birth control to be able to find this article I knew I had seen it before I knew I've read it before but I wanted to be able to pull it up to read it here uh, for you guys so the first long-term side effect that they mention in here is a damaged microbiome Hormonal birth control acts like an antibiotic in your gut, destroying the essential microbiome balance. If your doctor prescribes the pill for PCOS specifically, you'll find that it will only worsen the problems of weight gain and insulin sensitivity because the impact of your gut flora. So for me, someone that has been experiencing, so I guess I can pull in my own personal stories here. At the age of 24, I want to say, I'm going to say 24, age of 24. No, age of 21, actually. Literally, my 21st birthday, I kid you not. So my 21st birthday, my friends had planned a surprise birthday party for me. And that was the first time that I realized that I had, well, what I thought was IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So I would have these anxious moments, basically. And when I would feel anxiety in my body, it would resonate in my gut, hence making me feel like I had to go to the bathroom. And in some cases, I felt that urgency to have to go to the bathroom and I would go to the bathroom. And sometimes I would actually have to go to the bathroom. Sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I just sit there, like feeling like I had to calm myself down, whatever it was. But that was literally on my 21st birthday. From then on, up until I'm not kidding. I am now, I will be 34 next month. I'll be 34 on October 18th in 2022. And 
for that, literally my entire adult life, I've been dealing with this, this IBS, this, this anxiousness, nervousness, and having to go to the bathroom. What I believe to be true is that, and I feel like it gradually got worse. It gradually got worse over time. I think this 21st birthday was just maybe the first time that I had ever noticed it, that that event in my life just really sticks out. But it, because it definitely does take time. It's not but again, I, I've been on birth control for since the age of 14. So I'd already been on it for several years at this point. So basically, you know, re- repairing a damaged microbiome, while while not impossible, it definitely does take time. So the impact of the pill on the microbiome will, will last long after you stop taking it without concentrated focus actions to replacing your good gut bacteria. So now I have, as I said, up until recently, this this is like, the aha moment for me. So I had been experiencing these these symptoms of of IBS related symptoms that again anxiousness having to go to the bathroom and I have now been off of birth control for a year and a half. It's only been the last 2 to 3 months I would say that I have finally not had any IBS related symptoms. Not experienced any anxious related symptoms even really when yeah when it comes to anxiety so i believe that this has been an example of me being off of birth control and my body basically replenishing that gut bacteria one thing i should also mention is that um alisa vide again <laughs> this flow living website you're going to see that she also offers some supplements so when i was making the decision to get off of birth control i was taking her supplements she has a sub it, and it's a supplement essentially to support your periods so when you listen to this book it's going to tell you different herbs and nutrients and foods and all of that that you want to be making sure that you're getting intake of those things based on where you're at in your cycle so she has a pill for the luteal phase, the menstrual phase, the follicular phase, and the ovulation phase. And so I was taking those those pills, those supplements for, I want to say like a good six months, basically. So six months after getting off of birth control. So I do feel like this probably played a part as well um, in helping my body basically replenish this good bacteria. But even then, I still had been dealing with some digestive issues, again, up until the last, I'm going to go with three months, since June. So June, July, August, September. Yeah, three months. Okay, perfect. Look at us go. All right. Next long-term effect here is increased inflammation. So if you are prescribed the pill for cramps, PMS, or other common period problems, as many women are, you should know that these issues result from hormonal imbalance and inflammation in the body. The pill does not treat these root causes, but can mask the symptoms that you experience. This puts you at higher risk of the big diseases of inflammation, such as heart disease, cancer, dementia, later in life. You need to tackle the cramps and PMS as soon as possible from a functional medicine standpoint with the right foods and supplements. Hey y'all, I am interrupting this episode really, really quick to come and tell you about my signature program, which is called Sexual Confidence Academy. If you follow me on social media, you've probably already heard me talking about this program, but I needed to come and share it here just in case you haven't heard about it. 
So Sexual Confidence Academy is a program that you get to do at your own pace. This is the journey through discovering the ins and the outs of your sexual confidence at your own pace, which is so beautiful. So this is going to take you through these things. You get to discover exactly how to unlock your sexual confidence and spark the arousal for you. Grow through the challenges that you've been facing and start building and applying the tools to solve them. Uncover the confidence and tools needed to communicate your wants and needs inside and outside the bedroom and develop an understanding and connection to your body and mind to create the sexual confidence that you've been craving. I have been running this program for over a year now. It is my absolute favorite. Here's what one of my clients, Brittany, said. Rachel's program helped me realize that I was letting things get in the way of intimacy and see how important it is in my marriage versus just having sex because my husband asked me. I am more confident in myself, which allows me to be more intimate with my husband. We cover so much in Sexual Confidence Academy. Just to give you a breakdown of some of the modules that this includes, you get to go through understanding your body, discovering your desire. We cover the menstrual cycle. We help you learn your love language. We talk lube, of course. We talk foreplay, the orgasm, and then most importantly, that sexual communication and self-pleasure piece. The support materials included in this, you get my Creating Your Sex Timeline Worksheet, the body mapping handout, my self-pleasure guide, and my self-pleasure meditation, my relationship regroup download for you and your partner to continue this work even after you're done with the program, and my favorite part of this, you get my masterclass for free, which is how to get the sex life that you both crave. All of this is included with your purchase of Sexual Confidence Academy. So head on over to my website, rachelmain.com. You have a few different options for payment on this. And here's the thing. A couple times a year, I actually run this program live. So definitely pop over to the website ASAP to see if right now is a time that I am enrolling for the live version of this program. Enjoy the rest of this episode. Perfect. So as I just mentioned, she offers the supplements she offers on the website. You can see uh, dietary recommendations, different foods and things to eat based on your cycle. And that is really going to help curve the the cramps, the PMS type of symptoms. So for me, in regards to the inflammation, I do feel that um, birth control helped keep me at a, a pretty like plateau weight phase. When I got off of birth control, I noticed more inflammation in my body, and I also noticed weight gain uh, after getting off of birth control. I also feel like this is, this again comes from the education of knowing my body and tracking my cycle. When I, I I'll never forget this, like when I got off birth control, again, so got off birth control, this is pre-Danny's vasectomy, so we're trying not to get pregnant, so I'm cycle tracking, you know, not having sex during ovulation, getting creative in our sex life, all these things, and I'm standing in the mirror one night getting ready for bed, and I swear to you, I looked like I was five months pregnant. Like I was freaking out. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be one of those girls that like has, gives birth in a toilet because she didn't know she was pregnant, right? Like my, immediately I spiraled and I thought, what 
the fuck? Like I felt like it came out of literally nowhere and I was crying. Like I was so upset. I was like, what is going on with my body? I start reaching out to friends that I knew had got out birth control. Like, did you notice this? Like what is happening? And essentially that is a thing that happens when your body is in the luteal phase. So the weight gain, the way your weight can fluctuate from from phase to phase in your cycle is astounding to me, honestly. Um, But that, I wanted to share that. I don't feel, I guess I never looked too much into the inflammation piece of this when I was on birth control, but definitely getting off of birth control, that is when I noticed the, uh, the gain and having more inflammation. I also eat like a toddler. So I'm sure that the amount of sugar and candy and Slurpees that I ingest on a weekly basis does not help with my inflammation case. (laughs) Um, All right. So next is the uh, micronutrient deficiency. Hormonal birth control prevents the absorption of micronutrients, vitamins, and minerals. It robs your body of B vitamins, magnesium, and vitamin C in in particular, which has short and long-term effects and impacts on your health. These are essential for hormonal health and can lead to infertility issues post-pill. Once you're micronutrient deficient and prevented from absorbing what you need, even from additional supplementation, you are set up for poor physical and mental health. It takes nutrient-dense targeted diet after stopping using hormonal birth control to replenish your body's reserve and repair the avenues of absorption. This... Again, <laughs> I have in the past three months been taking many, many steps towards my my personal health, my um, proactive health. And one of the things that since June I've been getting as well, again, so body is about a year off of birth control. If you remember the beginning of this year, again, if you listen to this podcast religiously, you will know that at the beginning of this year, I had been sick. We had gotten COVID over Christmas and then I was sick. January, February, March, April, May, I would get sick, get better, get sick, get better, get sick, be sick for weeks and weeks and weeks, get better. And it sucked. And finally, I thought, you know, I'm somebody that travels for work often. I have a busy lifestyle. I like to go out and do things. I like to, I like to travel. I like to do all the things. And I thought, what, like, what the fuck? Something, something has got to give. And so I sought out Um, If you have ever heard of IV therapy, um, we go through VEDA hydration. They're based out of Plymouth. However, they do house calls. So we have a woman, Alicia, that is our IV nurse. Love her. Shout out to Alicia if you're listening to this. Um, She comes and gives us an IV every single month. My, me and my friend, Anna, we have been getting them and this has made such a difference. So I get the, the um, IV bag called the Immunoboost. So this has helped put these exact vitamins back into my body. Magnesium supplements I take at night. Every night I take magnesium and fish oil before bed. And I get the B12 shot added into my IV bag because it just makes me feel amazing. (laughs) My workouts are better. I feel like I have more energy. Like I truly love me a B12 shot. So again, this has been such a key part of my life, like helping to rebalance my body, build my body stamina back up and, and help with these, getting, getting these micronutrients back into my body. So the next thing that you want to know about these long-term side effects from being on hormonal birth control is suppressed ovulation. Mm. 
research has shown that consistent ovulation protects women's long-term health, especially when it comes to avoiding issues like osteoporosis, heart disease, heart attacks, and breast cancer, all top killers of women. Hormonal birth control, except sometimes the hormonal IUD, suppresses ovulation. Suppressing ovulation for years, even decades, has long-term consequences, even if ovulation returns shortly after you come off the medication. Exposure to synthetic hormones plus a lack of exposure to the body's own hormone cycle is the root cause. Ovulation is important, not just when you want to conceive. So this is another thing that I've been um, experimenting with. So even though Danny has had a vasectomy, I've continued to track my cycle as, again, for business and life uh, benefits. <laughs> and ovulation is one of the things that has been super, super tricky for me to be able to calculate. So essentially, ovulation should be happening around day 10, 11, 12, 14, 13, 14, somewhere in there for me. And still, I have ovulation sticks that I pee on to be able to f- figure out when I'm ovulating. It has been super finicky to be able to even see when I'm ovulating. Sometimes it shows yes. Sometimes when it should be showing yes, it doesn't. So this is definitely something that I feel I have um, experienced. I would be curious if we were to be people that were wanting to have kids, I would almost be willing to bet that I would be somebody that would have difficulty getting pregnant. Um, I, of course, can't be certain saying that but again like just reading these knowing the things that I have already from just these few things that I've read to you and how I can relate to them uh, I definitely think that this that I would likely fall into this category but luckily for us we have decided to be child free and so kids are not in the books for us and so if this is a thing it would never essentially become a problem for us but My heart just goes out to the women that, again, we aren't told the side effects of long being on birth control for long term. Like we're not told these things. And so then women getting off of birth control, not being able to conceive or having to go through IVF or anything like that. It just, it it truly breaks my heart that our healthcare professionals are not doing a better job at educating us around these things. All right. And then that leads us into the last one that's on this list here, which is masked reproductive health issues. The pill is not a real treatment for reproductive health issues such as PMS or PCOS. Hormonal birth control can help manage symptoms for some women, but it is only a band-aid solution. This can be dangerous because it can mask long-term issues if women are not getting diagnosed prior to being prescribed on hormonal birth control. Once you come off the method, the problem will return and potentially have worse symptoms than before as well as becoming harder to treat or resolve. It's better to tackle these problems head on and not wait until you'd like to conceive or suffer the long-term health consequences. This one sticks out so much to me because, again, for women that struggle with things like endometriosis and PCOS, this is, birth control is such an easy thing, right? There's so many doctors out there that they just want to prescribe the pill. They just want to write you off, essentially get you out of their office onto the next person. And they don't take the time to really hear you and hear through the things that you're 
dealing with. And so birth control for so many people that have these conditions, birth control has been quote unquote the answer for them. It has been the the cure or they've been told that this was going to be the cure and then it wasn't. They were still having those painful, painful periods, the breakouts throughout the month, the inflammation, like all the things that come with these with these two things, specifically again, PCOS and endometriosis. So this was, again, these are things that I definitely want to go through for you. You could tell I'm in some cases here reading directly from this article, so I'll be sure to link this in the show notes for you as well. Again, please visit Alisa's blog at flowliving.com, especially if you are curious to learn more about these things for yourself. But getting off of birth control, again, doing doing the research. If, the, if you're someone that is considering getting off of birth control, you know, there are other there are other options out there for you to plan against pregnancy. I think if you fell in my case, you know, for so long, again, I was like, fuck, no, I'm not getting off birth control because I don't want to get pregnant. I don't, we don't want to have kids. And so that was scary, (laughs) you know, super scary. But as I continued to educate myself and learned that essentially a woman can only get pregnant during that ovulation phase. So if I got good at tracking my ovulation, or at least the time frame of when I might be ovulating in my case and not having any sort of penetrative sex during that time. Again, like being able to get creative with more things like oral sex and more kinks and things that we were able to explore in this time. Getting off of birth control really, it brought a new level to our sex life. For me personally, I would say the major side effect that I've experienced since getting off of birth control has been the weight gain that I've experienced. I've always been a smaller petite type of person. Um, I still feel I'm a small petite type of person, but going from, you know, being at 122 now a solid, you know, 135, that that was a that was a game changer for me. You know, 15 pounds really made a difference for me in in clothing, in bathing suits, in um many things. Like I have my thighs touched now. <laughs> my thighs touch together. So now I understand like when people bitch about chafing, like I, I experienced that now. And so it was just small things like that. But I think such a small price to pay, you know, I've learned to love my body exactly where I'm at and whatever condition it is in. I'm so grateful for my body and everything that it has been able to bring me through and everything that it does for me on a daily basis. And that, that takes a lot of work that, it, that is a constant, battle, if you will, of learning to love yourself and accepting yourself exactly as you are. But aside from that, um, other things that I've noticed from being off of birth control is being able to feel my emotions more. Like really, really, really being able to feel when I feel anger, when I feel sadness, really embracing and embodying that feeling um, not trying to push it back, not trying to push through it, not trying to just like do some surface level shit, like really feeling into those emotions. I also feel, this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like I just see things a little bit brighter. Like I feel that I see colors brighter now. I feel, I don't know, just that I experience, it's almost as, I feel like I'm sounding crazy right now, like I'm rambling, I'm having all these epiphanies, but it's almost like I feel I had this like film over my body. Like I had this film, like sticky, beigey colored film over my body. And now that film has been lifted away and I feel lighter. I feel like I can see more. I feel 
so fucking proud of myself for advocating for myself and speaking up for myself and taking the time to read and learn more about my body and more about my menstrual cycle, continuing to ask the questions. I have a wonderful friend, Jordan Jones, Jordan Donnell on Instagram. If you follow her, she's been on the podcast a few times, but she is a physician's assistant in works in women's mental health. She works in, in with fertility. And so she knows menstrual cycle things very, very well. And so the last thing I'll finish with here is just because I love to be transparent on the podcast and share things that are going on in my life and hoping that somebody out there can relate to this or feel inspired to want to take action for themselves. Uh, I have also recently done the women's hormone test through Everly Well. I'll link that in the show notes too for you as well definitely wait until they have a sale. They have sales often. So I usually wait until I can get my test kits like 30% off or something like that. So I got the women's hormone test on there because I thought, you know, it's been a year and a half since I've been off off of birth control. And I wanted just to see where my hormone levels were at. So uh, everything came back pretty good, except for my TPO hormone, which is basically associated with your thyroid. It is the uh, hormone that produces an antibody for thyroid related things. As you can tell, I'm not, I have not done the research on this yet. Um, If I'm being honest, I was a little bit scared by this. I hear many women talking about thyroid issues and things that come from that. And so when I saw that, I thought, yeek. (laughs) Um, So anyways, the part that I do know about this uh, hormone specifically being a little bit elevated. Not it's been a, it's a lot of it elevated. I'm not gonna lie. Um, my you're supposed to be at like an average of 60, and I was at 153, so it's pretty up there. Um, this can be associated with Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune disorder. I might have that. I might not. <laughs> um, I did send my uh, test results to my primary care doctor. Have not heard back yet from them, so I'm assuming it's not that uh, worrisome. And when I did look into this and things that they talked about in treating it, the things that I'm already doing, such as exercising and meditation, like allowing myself rest, the IV drips that I'm doing, I'm getting my body the nutrients that it needs, and um, this would make sense. So the only thing that I really need to start looking at better is the diet aspect of this, again, not eating like a toddler, (laughs) actually eating meals with protein and fish and chicken and things like that. Not as much red meat probably would serve me a little bit better, but this is, this is where we're at. So I would encourage anybody out there, like Everlywell has so many different tests that you can have done. I think that they are affordable. Um, I I just think that they are very insightful. So again, this was another piece, taking action, taking ownership um, and advocacy for my body and wanting to just see what's going on. And it's so odd that I even did this. There was just something, I I can't explain. It It was just something was telling me like, hey, you should get your hormones tested. (laughs) I I cannot explain it. It just kept coming up for me, kept coming up for me. And then um, again, they had a sale and I, I went for it. So That's what I'm working on now, and the fact that this thyroid 
hormone is uh, so elevated, that could also be an explanation of why I've seen the weight gain that I've had, um, why I've experienced these bouts of depression essentially here and there. Um, Those are two, actually two main causes of this uh, TPO hormone being elevated. So the search continues, (laughs) the research continues, I should say. All right, guys. So I hope this was helpful. I wanted to, again, since April of last year, been promising an episode around birth control journey and need to know things about birth control. So um, I hope that this was insightful for you. If you have questions, you can feel free to DM me. Again, I want to shout out my friend Jordan Donnell, who is a wonderful resource. She actually has a program called Period Power that you could check out. And she is such a, uh, again, just a great resource and advocate for, for these things. So if you're looking to learn more about your cycle, wanting help, uh, guidance on getting off of birth control, I would definitely point you in her direction. She is a wonderful, wonderful person to be able to help with that. Okay. Until next time, y'all, I will see you on the flip side. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a thing. And if you loved it so fucking much, be sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see you next week. And until then, keep owning your sexual self.